This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. I do want to get to non-Donald Trump-related news. It's often difficult to do when you only do one show a week and it's only three hours and we're in the middle, <laughs> of, a, right. middle of a presidential campaign. But there is some, some items that I want to discuss not related to Donald Trump, which we'll do hopefully in the next segment. But before we do that, I do want to just kind of wrap things up by saying again that I do believe that when we look back on this general election, and I've written about this, at Mediate, you can check the columns out at freespeechbroadcasting.com, that this is going to be the week where we go, ah, okay, this was when it was over. And it was over for a lot of reasons. I personally think, Leah, that the con controversy is yeah. getting too much. It's not only getting too much play, that's for sure, but it's also getting get too much credit for Trump's downfall. I think some of this was inevitable. It was just a matter of plug in what the subject was going to be. There was some, there's so many others that it could be. I personally believe that the media is saving his taxes and the fact that he's decided not to release his taxes for basically, you know, like, um, you know, break glass in case of emergency. You remember the ax in the school, <laughs> you know, in an emergency, you break the glass and you pull out the ax. That's yes. what the media is going to use the taxes for. They're only going to break the glass and break you know, and bring out the tax ax if they really need it. Cause that they can clobber him with that. They really yeah, can. I just uh, think only the left cares about that. Baloney. Now. Nope. And polls are all over it. Over 60% believe that he should release his taxes. It's the it's the centerpiece of his narrative that he's a, a, a hugely successful businessman. Uh, people do not trust him to begin with. He If the media wanted to destroy him over the tax issue, they easily could. And I and I frankly think, you know, that it, it's outrageous that, that Trump put his own brand ahead of his chances of winning the presidency while still soliciting donations from poor people. Uh, it, it's it's outrageous, and it's one of the reasons why I really have disdain for the man. But but I, I digress because there's more important things to talk about right now because I'm guessing we'll be able to discuss that again in an, at a future date. But to me, this is the week when, you know, it's after the conventions, and we realized for sure that a big part of what a lot of people were hoping for, including you and maybe even me in my, in, in, you know, in my greatest hopes, my greatest dreams, would somehow – there would be magic. Remember we were promised? With me, it's just works. You know, it's magic. That there would be yes. magic once the conventions ended, that we turned to the general election, that he would be a different man, that he would be presidential, and that all the craziness that we thought we saw for the last almost year would be crazy like a fox. And that, that all of this would make sense, and that now we're done with, with the, the baloney, and now it's time to actually get serious and to win, well, we found out this week that, that that's not going to happen. That didn't happen. It, there is no magic. And in fact, he's making it up as he goes along. So there is no plan. There, there is no plan. And it's being shown in the polls. And the polls are devastating. In fact, I believe the, devas- the, the, the polls are more devastating, Leah, than they appear to be. Of course, Trump fans don't believe the polls. They don't believe anything. They, they, right. they, they believe... <laughs> the silent majority. Right. They, remember, this, this is amazing to me that four years after the conservative side went through the whole, the poll, the polls are skewed. They're skewed. They're skewed. And 
I said, no, they're not. And it turned out I was right. And everybody else in the conservative media was wrong. And Romney lost. And it wasn't even that close. You would think that just four years after that, we might be a little hesitant to go down that path. But we're actually going further. We're, we're not, they're not skewed. They're rigged. And, I mean, it doesn't matter what the outlet is. Even Fox News Channel has a poll out this week. Trump down by 10 points. It doesn't matter. Trumpsters still say, oh, no, no, this is the media. The media is rigging this. They're against Trump. Even though, by the way, folks, not that facts matter. I realize facts don't matter to the ardent Trump fan. But having been a pollster myself, just because a poll says ABC or Washington Post or NBC or even Fox News Channel, that has nothing to do with the news organization. The news right. organization is just paying for or sponsoring the Correct. the the uh, allocation of the resources to do the poll. That's all it is. There's there is absolutely a firewall between the news organization and the pollsters. Now that doesn't mean that there's not some of them oversample certain. Oh, absolutely. That doesn't mean I, I'm the first to tell you there are a lot of really bad polls, and there's right. some polls that I think are done nefariously. I personally think that about a month ago, and I said this on the air, Rasmussen was purposely coming up with polls that showed Trump barely ahead so that they could get linked on Matt Drudge's website, which, by the way, worked out perfectly for them. They got enormous traffic for a couple of uh, polls that were way outside of what everyone else was finding. Okay, so here's here's, but polls are not perfect. They're not perfect. However, you can tell a lot from them when you aggregate them. But here's the real reason what almost everybody is missing. Most of the polls right now have Hillary up by about six or seven points, depending on, on which poll, whether it's likely voter, register voters. But that's national. That's national. And, of course, this you know it's a state election, the Electoral College, getting 270 Electoral College votes. All that really matters, frankly, are Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Those mm-hmm. are the states that Trump must absolutely positively win. Of course, he also has to win all the Romney states in 2012. I think he's got trouble in Arizona, where there's a poll out he's losing. I think he's got problems in Georgia. There's a poll out he's losing. I think he's got trouble in North Carolina. There was a poll out there he's barely winning, but that poll I had major problems with the internals on. I think he's got problems in Utah, especially if Romney gets in the race. So there's a whole series of things. Especially if Romney gets in the race? No, no, no. Gets into the race, meaning like he endorses Gary Johnson, uh, something like that. Not that he's going to get into the race, literally. Uh, I meant like get involved in the race. The point okay. here, the point here is there, there's so many things that have to go right for Trump that it's almost statistically astronomical. But but here's the thing that people are not understanding or not it's not getting enough play. All right, and this is this is what I always try to focus on. What is what am I going to say that no one else is saying? Here's the real reason why Trump is toast because we now know post convention. Okay, he's had his chance. To have the virtually unfiltered shot at the, you know, not all the American people, but a good chunk of the American people. He he got a shot. He got a little bit of a bounce. It was a significant bounce. He took the lead. And then all hell caved in. He and, killed it. Well, he didn't. He was part of it. But he it, killed the it. media did it. He helped the media. The, the Democratic Convention helped it. Obama gave a great speech. I thought that yeah. helped it. You can't, yeah, politically, it was a brilliant speech, Leah. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's the case. Here's the bottom line. <laughs> here's, lies. here's the bottom line. We now know that Hillary's floor, the lowest percentage that she is likely to get, barring catastrophe, is around 46, 47%. That's the Gee, where do I hear that number from? 
Ding, ding, ding. It's so funny you say that because I'm writing a column about that for tomorrow. 47% <laughs> is the number Romney gave us, remember, that he got oh, clobbered yes. for. 47% is, is in a rational world unless one of the third-party candidates goes crazy. Th- that's what she's going to get. That's her floor. We now also know that Trump's ceiling is well below that. It might be as low as 42. Now you're saying, but John, it's only August. Um, these two candidates are as well known and as well as as hated as any two in American history. And the key number that I have been saying for months and months and months is all that matters is who is qualified and who's not. Hillary is crushing, not crushing him on that number. He, he, here's what Trump is. To the 42% that are probably going to make up what he's going to get, they love him. But the other 58, and it might be a higher percentage of this, I'm actually giving Trump the benefit of that. To the other 58% of the American people who do not see him as qualified and who do see Hillary as qualified. And if you think about this as a job application, that's the number one consideration. Are you qualified or are you not qualified? To those 58%, Trump has no chance of turning them around. He is effectively, he's effectively like a sterile guy trying to get married to a woman late in life who desperately needs to get married to have kids. And that's all she wants. So she wants a husband to get ki- have kids, and he is sterile, and she knows he's sterile. There's nothing else he can do. There's nothing he can do in three months to convince those 58%. It is, there, it is a rock hard, it's granite, those 58% that will not vote for him. Now, could it move marginally? Sure. Could a catastrophic event break that granite and cause yes. an earthquake? Yes, but it's unlikely. And by the way, let me tell you, this is the last thing I'm going to leave you with for this week on the polls, because this, this goes to math, and it's amazing to me how bad people are at math, especially Trump supporters. So let's say he's 6% down, all right? People think 6% down nationally is not that big of a deal. I think because they must perceive it like a football game. Oh, six points in a football game, you get a turnover, touchdown, we're back in the lead. It doesn't work that way, folks, especially not with presidential preferences in a situation where both candidates are 100% known and largely hated, especially Donald Trump being hated by a huge percentage of the population. Here's what 6% represents. 6% represents, Leah, 8 million voters at least. That's based on 2012 turnout. Eight million. That is over half of all the votes Trump got in the primaries. Where is he going to find eight million votes between now and three months from now? Where? Where? He's not going to get it from five. Okay, I I got that. All I'm holding out for. Okay, but you, you understand, rationally, he ain't getting that from going on Fox News Channel and the O'Reilly Factor. He ain't getting that from having 20,000 people at a rally in, in a small town in, in Florida. It doesn't happen that way. You don't get 8 million people that way. And there's not 4 million Democrats he's going to be able to flip with another, let's make America great again. Which, no, uh, I mean, look, he has to go after the independents. But uh, those people, the people those who people haven't are, made up their minds yet. Yeah, those, and who are the people? Who are those people who have not made up well, their minds? Well, I mean, they, they you are. Know. And, and yet, and they always want free stuff, right? And, they, and not only do they want free stuff, which, by the way, Trump might be willing to give them, but 
They are the most influenced by the entertainment media. That's true. And, They're so dumb. And the entertainment media. Oh, is, baby, baby. And the entertainment media is more in the tank for Hillary and against Trump than the news media is. So yeah. how exactly the is Jimmy he, Fallon's. Exactly. How's he going to get those people? There's no chance. None. It's over, folks. It's over, barring a catastrophic event, which I don't know how we're hoping for a catastrophic event. But, I know. But that's what it's that, come that's, to. That's where we are with this. All right. When we come back, other news of the week on the John and Leah show. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And in case you haven't heard, the Summer Olympic Games started over the weekend. And Leah, you um, are not watching the Olympics uh, because of <laughs> no. some sort of boycott. You, you, you've you've done a 19, yeah. uh, 1984 uh uh, boycott like the Russians did of the Los Angeles games. What's the story there? Yeah, I mean, I really have. Look, I, I don't understand why we're there. I think it's completely and utterly fake, false. There are all the allegations of doping. The place is a nasty sewer mess. Why are we over there, Zika? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, these games, I just am not watching. However, every one of my Twitter feed apparently is. So wait a minute. I thought there was a, like a, a principal reason for you boycotting these games. It's just because you think we shouldn't be there because the games seem like a joke to you. They're a big joke, a huge joke. Uh, I, it's just it's a nightmare. The whole thing is I, I'm just not even paying attention. It's like it's not even happening in well, my world. You know, I will acknowledge that. You know, to me, the Olympics did become a joke when they became obviously professional. I mean, it, you know, they were always a little bit of professionalism involved in the games. You can almost never have pure amateurism when something becomes that big and there's that much money and fame and television involved. Uh, but now they're just flat out professional. They don't even try to pretend about it. And that's that to me is, you know, th that was the soul of the games right there. Once you've ripped the soul out, what do you got left? Right. It's basically just a big marketing uh, situation I, I still though it, it's an amazing you know it's a it's a great scam because even I still get interested there are still occasionally the human interest stories that that transcend the BS uh, I also by the way think that there's some significance to this you know to go back to the presidential race for, for a moment it looks like the United States is going to do very well we had a very good day today in swimming and gymnastics and Right. Uh, Michael Phelps won, we, yeah, won, won another medal. Right. Michael Phelps won another gold medal. Uh, Katie Ledecky won a gold medal, broke a world yep. record. The women's gymnastics team is doing fantastically. I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I think that helps Hillary. Uh, you know, the, the whole notion of things aren't that bad and I mean, go, go America helps the incumbent party and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe America really isn't that, that terrible. Um, but there's a couple other things I want to mention on this, which we'll get to when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Talking about the fact that the Summer Olympics have begun. And by the way, Leah, I just want to clarify something because I'm sure some people out there might have been confused by my statement just before the end of the last segment that a successful Olympic Games for the United States could help Hillary Clinton. I don't know. Maybe it isn't confusing, but to me, it's self-evident. And it goes like this. First of all, let's pretend that the games go off without a hitch, despite all of the the concerns, legitimate concerns, about all the problems involving Rio and and everything that goes involved with that. First ever Olympics in Central America. And we're learning there's, the a good, rapes. there's a good reason why it's the first Olympics in Central America. But so far, nothing catastrophic has happened. And And more to my point, the United States is off to a really good start. So let's pretend... No major hitches, no major news outside of sports from the Olympics. And the United States does extremely well. That does a couple of things. Number one, it creates a semi-news blackout on the race, uh, which, you know, for two weeks, when there's only 90 days left, that's a lot of time, okay? Especially when you're now down by six or seven points like Donald Trump. So that's number one. Number two if the United States does as well as it appears as we're going to do, I believe that it subconsciously, this is subconscious, hurts Donald Trump's narrative. Donald Trump's entire narrative is America sucks. We need to make it great again. Hillary's narrative is we're not as bad as you think. We're making progress. Stick with us. We'll make it better. I think if the United States does as well as it appears as if we might, subconsciously that goes towards Hillary. Do you see where I'm going with that? Uh, I, Not I really. Okay. Well, I, I just don't think the Olympics has anything to do uh, th- with politics subconsciously or not. Yeah, I think subconsciously um, it makes a difference. 1984, might, I mean, 1984 which was a different world, but United States kicked ass in the 84 Olympics here in Southern California. And how did Reagan do that year? He crushed it, okay? Now, it's different circumstances. Olympics aren't the same. The country's not the same and all that. But I'm just saying it doesn't hurt Hillary if these things go off well uh, for the United States, and I think it hurts Trump from a subconscious narrative standpoint. But more importantly than that even, or maybe not more importantly, but more to the point, one other thing I wanted to mention. I watched the the, uh, opening ceremonies on Friday, which had their ratings down precipitously from the 2012 London Summer Olympic Games, and that might have more to do with people's interest in London as opposed to Rio. And who knows? There's a number of reasons why that might be the case. One of the things that struck me while watching it is how incredibly frivolous the opening ceremonies have become in comparison to what they used to be, specifically with regard to television coverage. It's almost funny to think that the networks, when they covered in an opening ceremonies of an Olympics, felt as if it was a news event. Like Peter Jennings, when ABC had the Olympics, would be the co-host because you needed someone there with gravitas to talk about exactly. the very the very serious news aspects of all the nations of the world coming together. Now, it's literally the Today Show. I mean, it's literally like, it's all a big joke. It's all ha-ha, let's have a party. Uh, the, the, the little factoid that you get in the 30 seconds about each country has nothing to do with anything serious. It's all... Human interest, and I like human interest as much as anybody. But it's, yeah, but you know, a lot of that's uh, generated. Right now, it's all cotton candy. 
You know, it used yeah. to be it used to be you had your meat and potatoes and you had a little bit of cotton candy on the side. Now it's all cotton candy. And to that point, not only was the the uh, opening ceremonies rather boring, uh, you know, the only memorable moment was Giselle coming out and doing a catwalk and across the entire football field. Uh, you know, she's worth watching. Um, but then the the only thing that that made a hit on Twitter was the flag bearer for Tongo. (laughs) Why did the flag bearer from Tongo make a big splash? Because he's a model who came out shirtless and all greased up carrying (laughs) the Tongo flag. And people went bananas. And by the way, the announcers, the female announcers on NBC broadcasting it, went bananas as well. Uh, Have you seen He's pretty hot. (laughs) Have you seen this guy? Yes, and he's pretty hot. (laughs) All right, now I got no problem with women thinking a guy is hot. I I thought it was a little odd that this guy was clearly, I mean, he's a model, he's a professional model, so he's clearly using this moment to commercialize himself to quite quite a bit. I've got to work on my brand. Right, well, clearly (laughs) he he did it successfully. But here's the part that I found a bit bit odd. I I, I do feel like something has changed, and maybe some of it's for the good, but I do think it's worth mentioning. With regard to men and women, it's almost like men and women are flipping roles. And, you know, when women went bananas for this guy on Tonga, for instance, on Twitter, yes. if men had done the same thing, let's pretend that there was a, <laughs> a female flag bearer who was super hot and who had been, you know, obviously she wouldn't be shirtless, but had been as provocative or anywhere near as provocative as this Tonga guy. Wasn't that the whole Giselle point? Giselle was way more covered up than Tonga, the Tonga guy was. But Giselle, that's her job. She's not there to carry the flag for her country. And (laughs) she's there to look hot. That's her job. It's literally in the job description. Oh, I see. He's a model. It's his job. But that's not what he's there for. My my (laughs) point here, look, I, I have no problem with both genders objectifying the other sexually. My point is the hypocrisy. That, that women would go would go bat crap crazy on guys if they did that to a female who was carrying in their country's flag in their country's native garb, allegedly. This is what this guy was pretending while he was greasing himself up. Um, there's absolute hypocrisy there. And it was interesting this happened on the same day that social media went bananas for the fact that there were photographs, nude photos, that came out of actor Orlando Bloom, totally, literally butt naked, right? Paddleboarding his girlfriend Katy Perry, who was totally clothed in a bikini. In other bikini. words, in other words, nothing remotely risque. So she's frankly looking kind of dowdy in a not hot bikini, and he's paddleboarding her, totally naked. Penis hanging out everywhere, and these photos are all over social media. And again. Women are going gaga over Orlando Bloom, which, by the way, he deserved to be going gaga over. He looked fantastic. I'm not begrudging him that at all. My point, though, is remember when Jennifer Lawrence photos, her nude photos came out? Oh, my gosh. Oh, she didn't approve those. Those weren't meant for publication. Right, but those, I believe, were stolen from her phone, if I remember correctly. It's not a perfect analogy, Leah, but she was posing for those. Right? Orlando Bloom was not posing nude. He was caught on a date with Katy Perry. Right. And so, he was paparazzi. So, yeah, but the, the reality is that there's a double standard here. There's a double standard that, that to me, 
is the polar opposite of what the standard would have been not long ago where where the women would be objectified by the men and maybe that was wrong but now we're going in the other direction and 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 to me it feels like a double standard it feels like hypocrisy it also feels like the, the roles have totally shifted like okay listen you want to blow your mind uh go in a chippendales thing one time no i know the women are like vultures i know they are they're and, way beyond what the men and, would and, do and i again if there wasn't the hypocrisy angle of it, if they admitted to it and they, you know, and, and they owned it, I'd be fine with it. But there's one other aspect of this I, I want to get your opinion on, kind of going more to the Orlando Bloom, Katy Perry thing. You've seen those photos. To yeah. me, those photos show how far women have come. I don't think that I doubt very seriously that uh, 20, 30 years ago, there were stars of the magnitude of Orlando Bloom paddleboarding while naked while they're lesser attractive, and Katy Perry is not as attractive as Orlando Bloom. While Ka- not while they're, at all. While they're lesser attractive females were completely clothed in bikinis, and they were, and, and the males were the subservient one to the female. Do you see where I'm going with this? That something has changed. That we, <laughs> that we, that everything is reversed. Now the women are now in charge, even among Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry. You, yeah. Well, I mean. I think in some situations, that's absolutely right. But that's because she is the bigger star. Well, she's richer. There's no question yeah. about that, which oh, might have. No, Katy Perry, by far, is way bigger than Orlando Bloom, okay? There's no question about it. And so that's the hierarchy that's going on there. Frankly, if I was her, I would have said, put your pants on. You <laughs> look ridiculous. <laughs> Fair enough. I knew Leah would have a good take on that. All right. Since we're in the realm of sports, kind of, with the Olympics, I should at least mention uh, that Alex Rodriguez announced that he was retiring at the end of this week today, uh, the Yankee baseball player. And the reason why this is significant, not just because he's been embroiled in numerous steroid scandals where he has lied through his teeth in Hillary Clinton fashion uh, to get out of them, and yet somehow has, has not been unscathed, but... Uh, and he certainly was suspended for a year and all that. But his reputation, for some reason, is not as bad as, for instance, Barry Bonds. But the bigger picture here is I've, I've mentioned that 2016 is going to go down as maybe the worst news year ever, and that's even before Hillary gets elected. But think about in the last 12 months, even less than that, the world of sports is now saying goodbye to Alex Rodriguez, Kobe Bryant, Peyton Manning, and for all intents and purposes, Tiger Woods who effectively is retired if not <laughs> he dead. He doesn't know yet. <laughs> yeah, Tiger hasn't been told yet. Although Nike basically told him this week. Did you see this? Nike I announced did. that they're no longer going to make golf clubs. How's that for a subtle hint, Tiger? That we, <laughs> we think you're done. Yeah, by the way, remember that $100 million contract you signed with us? Yeah, we're not making clubs or balls anymore. Uh, but we but go ahead. We totally think you're coming back, Tiger. We totally think we totally think you're coming back. That's um, a way to get out of that deal. Uh, it's just it, that it I don't continued. I've been a sports fan for, you know, my whole life of 49 years and I don't remember four stars of that magnitude going out effectively in such a uh, incredibly short period of time and thought that was at least worthy of mention. All right, when we come back, one of the things that we mention often on this program and I've been giving you uh, periodic updates on is the uh, effort uh, for my wife and I to have a second kid. There's a major update Please. on that, which we'll, which we'll get to when we come back for our final segment.
This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, on our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com, you can check out the podcast for this entire broadcast via iTunes and SoundCloud. All of that at freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can check out all of the prior podcasts of the John and Leah Show at freespeechbroadcasting.com. One of the recurring stories that we go back to from time to time on the John and Leah show is the saga of my wife and I trying to have a second child. Uh, This is not just an academic discussion. (laughs) It's quite possible that our marriage depends on it. The future of our first child, Grace, depends on it because I think she desperately needs a sibling. Otherwise, she's going to be the most spoiled kid in America. (laughs) Uh, She may already be the, the most spoiled kid in America emotionally. Um, but I think she needs uh, some competition, and that's one of the reasons why I begrudgingly agreed to try to, to have a second kid, even though my, my wife is right on the edge of losing her fertility. And we tried naturally for a while. We thought we were successful at one point, and that turned out to, to not come to fruition. And then after we realized that we were up against the wall, uh, or at least my wife realized that she decided that we needed to up the ante, and so we we started to get uh, hormonal help. Uh, went to a fertility clinic, and uh, basically there were there were three tries you get statistically before it reaches the point of diminishing marginal returns, where you spend you know a pretty darn good amount of money, but it's not you know like make or break money, more money than I ever imagined spending on such a thing, but you know within the ballpark of reason on a monthly basis. We tried that twice and that did not work. And the third time we decided not to do because my wife felt like, all right, uh, now she's really starting to get panicked. We're running out of uh, bullets here, so to speak. And there's another option. And the, the, the last option, uh, which I don't even know what it's actually called, but it, it is incredibly invasive and ex- extraordinarily expensive. It's basically like buying a car, not a new car, but it's, you know, a decent it's used expensive. car. <laughs> very, 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 very expensive, and you get one shot at it. Um, and now if it works, what's what's really kind of mind-blowing about it is if it works, you can almost – Maybe not with my wife because she's a little bit older, but with a younger person, you can basically determine what kind of kid you want to have. You can, I mean, you can determine almost everything about the kid. Eye Uh, color. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I don't know how specific you can get, but certainly gender. You can weed out for a bunch of things. Um, You know, we're just hoping for anything that's healthy. That's all we're we're looking for. Sure. And so this was a big decision to go this route. Um, You know, I. Basically, I went along with it mainly because I had very little choice and also because I, I know my wife would not be able to live with herself unless she did absolutely everything sure. she could to facilitate this. So this is an incredibly complicated and involved process. I, I don't even understand it. I know my wife doesn't fully understand it. The amount of medications that they gave her are astronomical. I mean, we almost can't fit them all in the refrigerator. Uh, you know, shots and all that. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It is really unbelievable, and it, it it takes an extraordinary amount of timing. And basically, we had to wait a month to get her cycle on track to even give this a try. And so last month, when it was her normal time to, to ovulate, be fertile, whatever you want to call it, um, we decided to give it the old college try, 
you know, the natural way. And um, thinking there's really no chance that that's going to happen because, you know, statistically it's way against us. But, you know, we might as well give it a try because at this point every cycle matters. And uh, I had a feeling that something might have gone down because she wasn't reacting like she was supposed to to having a new cycle in order to go through with this super expensive process. So sure enough, my instincts, as they often are, turned out to be correct. And uh, she was, in fact, pregnant. Um, Then she goes to the doctor, goes to the fertility clinic, and I guess there's a test they can do to make sure that her hormonal levels are consistent with her being able to hold on to the fetus. And she went and did that on Saturday, and that turned out to be 100% good. And then, uh, so we actually went to the beach. We came back home. They took a, My wife and daughter took a nap. I went to go hit some golf balls. I come back, and my wife is in extraordinary pain, like off-the-charts pain, very similar to the last time that she lost a fetus during this process. Oh. Uh, and so she, she was positive that, that – we had gone through the same situation again. Well, now, all of a sudden, today, there's no evidence that that has, in fact, happened, and she feels much better, and her doctor seems to think that that, that might not be the case, but we just don't know. So we're now in this incredible, limbo. oh, this incredibly exhausting emotional roller coaster limbo of we don't know, is she still pregnant? We don't know uh, if she's not pregnant. When you know, we got to we basically have to go. When back. can you know the test? I mean, well, when that's can the thing. You... Well, that's the thing. See now, now, you know, let's let's you know the the EPT. Bad, the bad scenario is if if in fact she's not able to hold on to the fetus, then we have to wait for a whole nother cycle, which is going to take her into her work schedule, um, which is going to cause a whole series of other problems, and of course at her age. In her mind, every single month that goes by, you you lose you know, more and more fertility, and there's a better, better chance that this is never going to happen. So, so you know, right. I, I don't know. You what... can you can what if what's coming, blah blah. All that matters is today. Just hang on and wait to see what the results are. No, I understand that, and it's and she's been handling it far better than than most people would have, and I frankly I would have good. expected at least That's so good. far. Uh, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know enough about the science on this, this other process. I mean, it's, it's basically everything you can possibly do, but you know, my, my gut tells me that, that where we are right now might be our best shot. And if this, if this does in fact uh, fail, that this could end up being the moment where we go, okay, that was, that was really the last chance. Uh, hmm. um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it, you know, it's incredible. Yeah, that could be premature. It's, Just, you know, it's, it's incredibly, uh, trying emotionally yes. and psychologically, especially for her women and, and physically yes. for her as well. I mean, she, she's a pretty emotional person to begin with. Yes. And now she's jacked up on hormones and thinking about, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? I mean, we're, you know, talk about the highs and the lows. Uh, this is it. But uh, we've been updating you uh, periodically, and I figured that we would continue to do so uh, for whatever that's I'm keeping worth. good thoughts. Good thoughts. I will definitely say a prayer tonight. Much appreciated, Leah. And as always, your time this week has been appreciated. We'll talk to you again 
next week. Next week. Uh, when we'll yes. review the news of the week on the John and Leah show. Make sure you check out our podcasts tomorrow morning at our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. Until next Sunday, for Leah Brandon, I'm John Ziegler. Have a great week. So long, everybody. Good night.